0: Hi, and welcome to Shadow Talk's Weekly Intelligence Summary Track, where our team of analysts dive into the top threat intelligence stories each week. To read their full findings and analysis, make sure to visit resources.digitalshadows.com. Now here's your host, Harrison Van Riper. What's up, everybody? I'm Harrison Van Riper, and welcome back to another episode of Shadow Talk, the Weekly Intelligence Summary Podcast. With me this week, I have the Collier Jam, JC Cool, uh, Jamie Collier. How are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Great to be back on. Yep. I'm in London this week, so I got to see you briefly. Not not as much as I would have liked to. but. Um, and then we also have Alex Giriku in, the, in Dallas. How are you doing, Alex? Good.
1: It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, we're all spread out now. Everyone's uh, in a different place.
0: <laughs> yes. Being spread out in a different place. That is <laughs> usually how that happens. But I'll be back. Don't worry. I know you miss me dearly. I'll be back next week. Um, all right. So... In case you can tell, I have literally not prepared for this at all. So I need I need the info. So give me the info, Alex. What happened this week? So
1: as I'm sure you've heard, um, it made pretty big news over this uh, past week. So the Norwegian company Norskidra, it's a uh, renewable energy and aluminum manufacturer. They suffered a cyber attack on the 19th of March. Um, there was some reporting afterwards, uh, once the news initially hit, that it had been ransomware. And what was interesting is that the company themselves, as well as um, the official Norwegian certs, they didn't specify which variant it was. Um, and so there was some speculation from security researchers about what type of ransomware actually hit them. And so the general consensus was that it was uh, Locker Goga, which is a relatively new type of ransomware that. We've only really seen in one other major incident, and that was against the uh, the French company Altran Technologies in January. Um, so, in essence, the uh, the ransomware had affected the company's uh, smelters and plants across Norway, Brazil, the U.S., and Qatar. Uh, so, the company had to resort to a few manual operations, making business a little bit slower than usual and they instructed their employees not to connect to the company networks and disconnect everything to prevent the ransomware from spreading um, across the network. At that time, they weren't exactly sure what type of ransomware it was, so they wanted to take all precautions uh, as necessary. So, a company's website was inaccessible on Tuesday and throughout much of Wednesday, but um, on Wednesday, they were able to restore the majority of their operations. So, they apparently didn't pay the ransom, and they had sufficient backups to be able to restore everything uh, as much as they could. So right now, what they're doing is they're investigating with the help of Europol and the full extent of what had actually happened, and, as well as the financial impact of the attack.
0: Yeah, that's, this has obviously been one of the bigger stories this week. So not a great situation, but it does sound like they had some backups in place and they had some good procedures. Uh, is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, so we've seen a couple of incidents over the past few months where you have examples of companies being hit by ransomware and then they make the ransom payments, which can be a lot. I think there was a recent example where it's about 400,000. It wasn't reported what the specific uh, ransom demand was in this attack, but like I said, they had backups. Uh, They were very, very transparent. They held a press conference very quickly um, and they were pretty open about their course of action and uh, what they're looking to do So that was a pretty refreshing to see because you have all these horror stories about Companies being completely devastated by ransomware and not being able to function at all and it takes them a while to get back up and running
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, do we have any like additional info on the variant was it Lock- locker Goga? Yeah, so so locker Goga
1: um, it's been described as not being super sophisticated And there's been a few similarities uh, superficial to uh, the Ryuk ransomware. Um, People have noted that the language used in the ransom node is oddly similar to Ryuk, but that's not really enough to make any kind of uh, firm links to the two. But it's just something that's interesting to note. So what's interesting about LockerGoga, there was some analysis done on a sample that was uploaded to VirusTotal on the same day. So the ransomware looks like it's spread uh, via active directories. So once it's on a machine, um, the attackers can put it into the net logon folder, and then if they create a group policy object, making all other computers check the the net logon when they start up, um, that'll execute the ransomware on the other machines. And since uh, Active Directory is generally accepted by most firewalls, uh, they can disguise that malicious activity as kind of normal Windows service traffic. And it was also interesting because since we don't know right now who is behind the attack. Uh, Obviously, it's a ransomware, so you think immediately, okay, are these people going to be financially motivated? There's actually some talk about uh, kind of a destructive motivation of this attack instead. There have been reports on Locker Goga saying that it's capable of forcibly logging victims off their machines and preventing them from logging back in at all. So if they're not able to do that, how are they able to view or or even meet the ransom demand? So that would kind of be counterproductive if it were purely uh, financially motivated. But these are some of the questions that I suppose we'll have more answers to as these investigations continue over the next couple of days and and weeks. So a trend that we've seen in the past couple of months are ransomware attacks targeting these smaller entities, so things like uh, local governments. Um, But this attack, as well as the one against Altran, which similarly uh, used LockerGoga, are kind of still showing that ransomware attacks, if they're successful, they can still impact kind of a a large global company there isn't a 100% trend to ransomware only being used against these small organizations. So even though these, these types of attacks don't happen on a daily basis or too, too often at all, they can still happen and they can still cause some damage if they're successful.
0: Um, so yeah, if you want to go and download the full intelligence summary and read the full content, go to resources.digitalshadows.com and you can download the full intelligence summary there. So moving on uh the other highlights from this week jamie
2: yeah so a vulnerability in winrar was exploited this is the application used to kind of create and view files in zip uh, or raw formats um, and the vulnerability was 19 years old so really shows you gotta pay attention to your history when it comes to cybersecurity. sometimes um so since the vulnerability since news of the vulnerability uh, has kind of broke it's been exploited quite prominently uh, delivered via both uh, malware spam and phishing campaigns Um, So this campaign in particular was attributed to APTC 27 uh, and used to target users in the Middle East. The group distributed Arabic language lure documents in a compressed format and then when that was uncompressed, it uh, opened and extracted a backdoor. The group has previously conducted espionage uh, operations uh, within Syria, uh, so they're kind of likely politically motivated. Um, And as for the uh, vulnerability, while it has been patched, uh, the popularity of WinRAR, uh, means that it's likely that a lot of systems are still vulnerable uh, for those that haven't updated. Uh, so I think we're, you know, it'd be interesting to track. I think it's likely to, that we'll see this uh, continue to be exploited in the next few
0: months. Interesting. Not WinRAR. I love WinRAR. It's the exactly. best. All the
2: illegal movies you've been downloading. No,
0: don't tell anybody about that, Jamie. We're a public podcast right now. Don't you smile at me. <laughs> All right, so moving on. Alex, what else is going on this week? So we have some more activity
1: from the threat actor Gnostic players. So this time they've advertised a fourth batch of data sets for sale on the Marketplace Dream Market. So this time the data is sourced from six different companies and contains over 26 million user records, uh, ranging from one to 13 million each, um, including things like customer credentials, session data, um, IP addresses, and and that sort of information. So this threat actor had reportedly... um, reached five of these six companies in February 2019, suggesting that that data is pretty fresh. And they were the ones that were responsible for putting um, 841 million records in February 2019 on Dream Market as well. So uh, it's possible that more records will be put up for sale over the next few weeks or months because they seem pretty keen on giving media interviews. And they said that some companies had um, responded to their extortion demands. And so their data wasn't put on these, uh, these listings. So it's likely that this isn't the full extent of the attacks that they've conducted. And so future uh, listings are also pretty likely.
0: All right, cool. Well, Gnostic players still sticking around with their data breach offerings. Um, so then Jamie, final highlight of the week.
2: Yeah, so a threat actor has uh, been capitalizing on the interest in the recent uh, Boeing 737 crashes. Uh, to deliver an Adwin, AdWin Trojan and the Houdini H-Worm uh, remote access Trojan. So the emails uh, are sent from you know, a supposed intelligence analyst uh, that claims to possess confidential documents uh, related to uh, the aircraft. And um, this is this is quite common in different contexts. We often see real-world events uh, abused by threat actors, and this can be kind of a financial gain often, uh, typically capitalising on media coverage, public interest in a story, um, to kind of try and trick targets into opening documents So I think the message here is that for any listeners that like a good conspiracy theory You can really kind of watch out because uh, the emails are coming for you um, Although I think we all know that Harrison is the conspiracy theory connoisseur So I think to be honest, he's the most liable to fall for this scam
0: uh, How do you know? How do you know my hobby? All right. Well, cool. That's interesting. So looking forward then What are we expecting in the next few weeks? So
2: I think in a similar vein to the uh, 737 uh, aircraft uh, scams, uh, we're probably going to see Fred Actors try and capitalise on Cyclone Edai. Clearly a lot of concern in terms of what's going on there. And I think uh, we're going to probably see scams, people being targeted, uh, fed actors are most likely to try and exploit the kind of altruistic nature of individuals that may be seeking to kind of make a donation for disaster relief. So providing fake donation pages and that's, you know, a pretty kind of safe way uh, to raise funds.
0: All right, then Alex, we have one more forward look. So following some political and
1: societal pressure from the, the Christchurch mosque shooting in New Zealand, uh, several Australian ISPs have started blocking access to websites that were hosting the uh, live stream footage of the attack. So They've confirmed that the blocks are temporary, but uh, considering some recent backlash faced by uh, the social media company Facebook for hosting that kind of footage, it's likely there's going to be some arguments about internet freedom and censorship, um, which could possibly result
0: in some ideologically motivated cyber activity as well. Gotcha. All right. Well, then that wraps up the intelligence summary from this week. Um, Now onto the question, which I literally have had... Oh, actually, no, I did think of a question. I thought of a very good question. But listeners be sure to go to iTunes, rate us on there, subscribe, you know, whatever you listen to, whether it's Overcast or iTunes or wherever. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast, go check out uh, the website, resources.digitalshadows.com, where we publish our blogs and all that good stuff. All right, question of the week. From Mr. Call Your Jam, where would be, so me and Alex are obviously both Americans, uh, where would be, somewhere you would recommend an American go in London? That's not, like, touristy. Oh, gosh. Oh, jeez. Just laid it on you.
2: I would recommend uh, Battersea Park, which is a uh, poor man's central park. But it's a highly underrated and under-discussed park within London. Um, If you were feeling even more ambitious, you could go to Richmond Park, which is a bit further out, but it features a deer park, uh, which I think, for me, is a real deal-breaker.
0: It's a deal breaker. Yeah. I mean
2: i mean, you know, what's a park without deer?
0: <laughs> so if it doesn't Harrison, have deer, think, then you can't go. Yeah, exactly. Harrison,
1: I I recommend Holland Park as well. Holland it's Park? It's smaller, but it has some nice um, architecture there. Is that they did, like a
0: Japanese pond? Did Rick Holland form it? No. Are you sure? Yeah. I used to go and play Pokemon Go there. So yeah. So next week, listeners, I will be back in Dallas. Uh, And yeah, so then we'll give you another update. Um, Thank you, guests. Thank you, listeners. Thank you. What was it? Holland Park and Richmond Park. Yeah. And what was the other one? Bath Bath City? Battersea. 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 Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. Thank you, those parks. Uh, We'll talk to y'all next week.